Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley right from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley right. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we are wrapping up talking about all of these new coaches. And again, the reason we're doing that is because last Wednesday, we met them all. Um, I was on Zoom. A couple of people drove up. That was like the blizzard day, and I had other responsibilities. And I was like, you know what? If I wreck my car, as soon as the wreck your car thought, crosses your mind you're like yeah let's let's go the other way but uh yeah so we met all the new assistants and i've been breaking these down into podcasts so if you guys want to start from the beginning which i would recommend then go back to last wednesday because that's when i talked about carl durrell and mike samford the new offensive coordinator and broke up all the things that they had to say into different clips talked about them and that, again, was last Wednesday, if you want to start there. Yesterday, uh, slash, here's here's another fun thing. It's actually still Monday night. I'm recording two of these today because my mom gets here tomorrow, and I don't want to have to do, well, it's not that I don't want to have to do any work. It's that I want to minimize the work, and so it's like 9 o'clock, and I'm going to knock this out now instead of having to make her, like, sit in the other room while I, but, but yeah. Uh, the point is, yesterday in your podcast feed, Today, in terms of my life, which I'm sure will not be confusing going forward, uh, yesterday was the offensive guys. So we talked about the new offensive line coach, Kyle Devan. I went from there to uh, Clay Patterson, the tight ends coach slash passing game coordinator, and then to Phil McGagan, the, uh, the wide receivers coach, who I'm really excited about. So again, if you want to do these in order, go back to last Wednesday, knock that out. Go back to yesterday, which was Monday. Boy, it feels weird saying that. But uh, and then this one with the defense. Obviously, it's Tuesday. You're you've you've clicked on this clearly. So there we go. In terms of what we're talking about today, we are from Chris Wilson, the defensive coordinator, and uh, we're gonna start there and then go along to uh, Rod Chance, the new cornerbacks coach who was part of like a weird offseason where the Buffs and Ducks basically traded cornerbacks coaches. And then we're going to wrap things up with Vic Soodo, who honestly I'm probably most excited to talk about him. 
we'll do that when the time comes. So, uh, like I said, starting with Chris Wilson. And, you know, we talked about some different things um, from the new coaches to the, the defense to him switching over to outside linebackers. Um, I want to start here, though. And I think that it's easy to forget because Chris has been around for a few years now that this is only year two in this new defensive scheme. And when I went back through and was listening to this earlier um, and him talking about the, the new defensive scheme, uh, or I guess the defensive scheme that he runs that we're now going to year two, and he says it's going to be a big improvement. You, you could tell that guys are playing well late. I was like, okay, well, let's jump back to hear what he had to say before. Because for some reason I thought, like, did he say that it was actually going to be fairly similar and an easy transition? When I look back, I was like, no, there, there really were some significant changes there. Um, but but here's what Chris Wilson had to say about, honestly, why just he expects some improvement this year. The biggest area of improvement is just consistency time on task. You know, year one in this system, uh, this is obviously year two for me here, but in a totally complete new system than where we were year one when I first got here. So, you know, just the consistency of play. And again, that's, that happens with a lot of repetition, a lot of opportunities, which we had. And as you can see, we, we progressively got better, even though we started losing some guys at the end due to various reasons, you know, i.e. COVID, if that was the case, or injuries. Our young guys were able to come in and still compete and digest. And when you have a chance to play that many freshmen and sophomores, you're going to take your lumps. But the beauty of it is now those freshmen are sophomores and those sophomores are now juniors. So I'm excited about the number of reps they got and the things they were able to do in regards to creating turnovers. Only given, I want to say, 39 or 40 touchdowns in a 12-game series, which is really an an impressive stat. So, you know, uh, the things that we can clean up are very fixable. Uh, We've got a talented group, a young group. And we've added even more talent to that deal. So I'm really excited about that. But the thing that I, I love more than anything about the group I had a chance to coach is the resiliency. They, they never wavered. They never pointed fingers. They came to work every day and tried to improve. And uh, we can build on that. We have guys who want to come in and, and, and do the work. There's no shortcut to that. So I was excited about that group of guys. You know, it's, it's tough to just put like a grade on how the defense performed last year because the circumstances are so weird, like they were just on the field so much. You know, you think back to that Minnesota game, and it's like, well, first thought is they lost 30-0. to zero. But then the second thought is, well, it was 13-0 to zero with less than a minute left in the third quarter. So it's not like that game was like a total blowout in every phase. There was a blowout in exactly one phase, and that was the offense just not doing anything. And that was the case a lot this season. You know, you even think back to that Texas A&M game. That Texas A&M team was, was good, but the Buffs were able to hold them to a few points. And again, they had to put their backup quarterback in. It was a pretty good backup quarterback, though, in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, there, there were more games like that that you can look at and say, like, that defense was pretty good. And there's obviously, like, the Oregon game that sticks out and some others like that. But, you know, there were injuries and that stuff, too, and... I don't know. This is probably a topic for another podcast. I'm curious to see what this defense looks like. I'm really curious to see what it looks like. And notably, there will be some players absent. Uh, and, and that's where we're going next here is Chris Wilson was asked about those DBs leaving, three starting cornerbacks. And I thought I, I, we'll talk about his answer after because he made a good point. 
the, the challenge is really like any other team. And this is how I look at it, you know, again, not only being in the NFL, but I, obviously in college. Every year you got a new roster. And you kind of just accept those changes. But what you also do is you kind of embrace those new opportunities. We've got a young, talented group of uh, back-end guys. And again, what, they, what they've done these last few weeks since they've been back has been really impressive. They look at this as a great opportunity for themselves. And we just take the next man up approach. And again, and they bought into it. That's what we were last season. And they're really buying into it. And what you really now is you have guys who are happy and excited about the growth that they have in this deal. So, you know, I'm really excited about those group of guys. And, and again, I'm very grateful for the guys that were here and uh, that shows other opportunities. So, again, it's, it's, it's a different way of thinking about it, right? Like, there's turnover every year. You never have the same players every year. I guess, like, you could just think of it as, I mean, just just pretend Makai graduated. Like, he was on pace to, if not for COVID. Or Mark Perry decided to graduate earlier. Christian Gonzalez graduates. Because you do lose your best players, typically, just about every year in college football. Now, again, it these losses may have been avoidable, and, and that changes the tone a little bit. But, sometimes, I mean... Maybe this just feels more like you're losing a big senior class, right? Like, like there's years where, for the basketball team last year, for example, where it's just like, you have a big class of seniors, you know there's a bunch of turnover, and so there's a bunch of turnover. There's other years where you don't lose all that many guys at all. Now, obviously, like, the, the, the kind of sticking point here is just that you didn't necessarily have to lose those guys. Like, they chose to left. There was a world where you still have them, and that's the difference between just a big graduating class. But obviously if you're inside the program, if Chris Wilson's sitting there thinking like, oh, sure does suck we don't have Christian Gonzalez, significant waste of time because you don't have him and thinking about what you'd do if you had him or how much it sucks to not have him, like that obviously is not productive at all. Um, also, I mean, it does open up opportunities for younger guys. And if you were going to be without Makai Blackman 2023 anyway, and Christian Gonzalez probably too, it's like, well, at least in 2023, you're going to have a couple more guys with more experience under their belt, and that's probably going to help them at that point too. So, I mean, there, there's pros and cons to everything. When you lose Christian Gonzalez, there's definitely more cons than pros, but it is what it is, and you do what you're able to do. Um Chris Wilson is also switching from defensive line coach to outside linebackers coach. And this is a change that he's actually really excited about. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm excited about having the opportunity to work with outside linebackers. Uh, and the biggest reason is because now as a coordinator, it allows me the flexibility to work with everybody on defense. So now not only am I with the front seven, I'm also with the back, the back end, which was really key when you're trying to tie things together on a week-to-week basis just the nuances of it and i think as a coordinator you have to be able to touch everybody in your in your on your defense especially when you don't have the ability to be a walk around guy so i'm really excited about it again i mean just just this is this is what makes these calls so fun right is that when you talk to football coaches about football like all of us as outsiders like we can see it one way and be like okay this means this and this but we don't know nearly as much as those guys. And and I hadn't even considered the idea that like, Oh yeah, when you're, when you're coaching linebackers, they are part of a front seven and the back seven. And if Chris Wilson says that valuable, that's valuable. Like 
you understand why, because they are a part of coverage. They are a part of, of getting into the backfield. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll dig into some more of this later. Um, but, again, just, just a little piece of insight there. Um, we're getting closer to, to talking about these, these new assistant coaches on the defensive side of the ball. But here's just kind of how Chris introduced them. In regards to the new coaches that we're bringing, I'm even more excited. Uh, we got better. And again, not taking anything away from our previous staff because they, they did a, a wonderful job. But again, we had a chance to get some guys that we thought that added um, talent acquisition. They're a talented group of young guys. Guys like Rod Chance who comes in and uh, has a great background, a great pedigree uh, from the University of Oregon. And I uh, had a chance to work with Coach Durrell as well as Coach Maxey. Uh, at Bandy, so uh, I was really pleased at that. And now that I've had a chance to work with them on a day-to-day basis, very smart, uh, really great self-awareness, and has the ability to, as I like to say, be a thermostat in that room. So again, he can change the temperature of that room, and uh, that's going to be big for us. And then uh, when you get a chance to do, you hire a guy like Vic Soto, uh, who is one of the, again, both of these young, these young, these men are up and rising coaches. Vic had a chance. I'd met him in his days at Virginia. So I had a chance to visit with him, with him and meet with him when I was in the NFL. Uh, liked him and then just kind of tracked his career. And then when he had a chance to go to USC and we had the time, we knew that there was a possibility to get him. He just added even more value. And again, I think that gives us another level for our front. Uh, again, we have a chance that he and I are going to work together on a day-to-day basis. So I'm really excited about that also. So again, I'm really, really pleased about the group. A couple of things stick out there. I mean, you know... It, when when you when you go to these press conferences like there's a bunch of things you expect to hear like oh yeah like he's good he knows this he's good at building relationships like the recruit whatever but then sometimes there's just those little details that show you like oh yeah that they do like him you know when when Chris Wilson says when they saw that Vic Soloto was out at USC and that they'd have a chance to get him like it's like oh you really were excited about it. like obviously. Colorado got their top guy for that job. And again, Chris Wilson was the defensive line coach before. Brian Michalowski was a really good outside linebackers coach, and they let him go so that Chris Wilson could get out of the way so that they could bring in Vic Soto. That speaks to it as well, but just to hear him say that, it's like, yeah, they, they got their top guy. They went and got a guy who they think is going to be a really good coach, and you just like to hear that. Um, and then, of course, just saying straight up, we got better. It, I agree, right? And and it's just good to see that sort of confidence. Like sometimes the outside perspective isn't the same as the inside perspective on a lot of different things. But with coaches, you know, I, I would, would not be surprised if Carl Durrell is really, really, really excited to work with Mike Sanford. Fans, though, fans are not super excited about Mike Sanford. And I think they're warming up to him. Um, but initially, the reaction was not super positive. When we on the outside are like, oh, this guy seems like he's good. Like, look at his resume. You're like, oh, he, he coached these guys. Or he pulled in these recruits. Like, it's easy to get excited. But when you also hear that they are just as excited, because, again, it goes beyond that normal, like, yeah, we got some good coaches. We're excited to see what they can do. We, we want to help them improve and, and grow, and hopefully they'll help our team. That's, that's a little bit different statement than we got better straight up, uh, especially when, you know, you lose a Brian Michalowski. So... Again, he he seems excited, and I think this goes along with kind of the theme yesterday of I think the Buffs got some really smart guys, 
and I think that that can sometimes get overlooked in football, um, but it's obviously something that Carl values pretty highly. Um, but before we close out Chris Wilson, there's one more clip that I want to play, um, and this is him talking um, mostly about Vic Soto, um, but, but the question was something along the lines of, can you help with the defensive line? And we'll, we'll talk more after. And that's what's neat about a guy like Rod Hansen, Vic Soto. They're guys who want to come in. They have great ideas and thoughts, but they also want to come in here and learn how we do things. So it's a good collaboration. And so we, what we've been doing the last few days is sharing ideas, but we're going to really, Vic and I, work close together. And that was really important for me. I really believe that your fronts are the key on both sides of the ball. So having a guy with, with that, his full focus was going to be key for us. And so, again, I couldn't have hired a better guy, and I'm excited about what he brings to the table. Again, like, this is Chris Wilson. A guy, I have a lot of respect for Chris Wilson. And it's another one of those just little details. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, yeah, like front seven, back seven. Yeah, the linebackers really do allow you to, to really focus on both sides. Um, but... You know, it was kind of weird where it's like you, you're a career defensive line coach. There's like one stop in the 90s where you coached outside linebackers. This is, it's it's kind of a twist, right? Like it seems like you would really want to be hands-on with that defensive line group. You, over and over you talk about how important it is. And then right there he says, well, it's so important that we're going to have a guy whose full-time job is doing that. Not me, because half the time I've got to go work with the, I mean, I'm just defensive coordinator. You know, I'm up, I'm up late at night trying to figure out what plays to call and, and designing all these big picture things for the whole defense. We need somebody who is hands-on talking with these guys all day, every day. And guess what? I can go over there and help out too. And then all of a sudden you've got a coach and a half. Um, it's not that the outside linebackers aren't important, but I do think, I mean, obviously it's a little bit smaller group and... I, don't, I, I think that the, the whole thing is, again, I just really like that point that he made. I really like that point that he made. And again, the idea that Vic wants to learn from him, uh, Chris wants to, to, to work with him because he thinks that he's a smart coach. Um, we're actually going to hear more about the relationship when we get to what Vic had to say a little bit later on. Uh, but I think that wraps up what we've got for Chris Wilson here. Good stuff. Good stuff, I thought. Before we move along, we're, we're going to hit Rod Chance next. Uh, I want to remind you guys about our friends over at, oh, actually Athletic Greens. Today it's Athletic Greens. Um, you know, I mentioned, when was that? That would have been Saturday, Friday, something like that, that I'd started taking Athletic Greens. You know, we signed on with a new partner, and uh, we actually we had like a call with them where they kind of explain what it's all about, like how it works, why it works, what it does, why people try it, different people who use it for different reasons. And it's like, okay, now you get this big box, uh, here's here's a month supply of athletic greens and try it out to see how it goes. And so far I've been pretty impressed. So I, I'm not sure exactly. I think I'm like four days in, five days in. Um, and for those of you who don't know, athletic greens, basically the, the way it works is it's a greens powder, which is 75 different things that are ground up into a powder it's, it's very potent, it's very concentrated, and so you get a whole bunch of really good things for you. There's vitamins and minerals, 
whole food source superfoods. There's probiotics in there, um, adaptogens. There's just a lot of things that they pack in. And so it's kind of like taking like a supplement in the morning, like a supplement pill, except there's a lot more going on than just in one of those little pills. Uh, You just like take the powder, you mix it in the water, and it tastes surprisingly good. I've been waking up, taking it before I go to the gym, and again, I... I'm still early on, but I do feel like it, it makes a difference. Like, I do feel like it does, like, wake you up, make you alert, and, and those sorts of things. Now, if I wind up skinny and muscular in a couple weeks, then we'll, we'll really know it's working. Uh, but so far, I've been impressed. And then the big thing is that, at least for me, like, it tastes good. It gives you energy. And it, it costs, like, less than $3 a day. And so if you're basically just substituting coffee with something that tastes pretty good, has the same effect and also has all these other things going on behind the scenes like it, it just it just makes sense um you know there's let's let's tell you about this offer so if you get a one year supply or sorry if if you uh if you make a purchase any purchase then you can get a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and you get five free travel packs. So, so what they send us is like these bags with a scooper and you scoop it out and you put it in the shaker and shake it up for like 20 seconds. Well, the travel packs, they make it easy. It's just a little dose in there. You don't have to worry about the scooper. You don't have to lug those big things around. So you get those as well. And again, all you have to do, go to athleticgreens.com slash buffs. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash buffs to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Also, DraftKings Sportsbook. I've been telling you about these deals all playoffs. Now's the time to get in because they're going away soon. It's Super Bowl 56. We're five days away. No, six days away. You, When you're listening to this, though, five days away. Uh, and, and if you bet $5 on either team to win the Super Bowl, you can get 280 in free bets if you're correct. It's a great deal. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports fan partner of Super Bowl 56. And those 56 to 1 odds come from Super Bowl 56. Obviously, if you're not a new user, then there's plenty of other stuff going on over there with the same game parlays, with the boost. You can bet on all sorts of stuff for the Super Bowl. But download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code DMVR. Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. All you got to do is bet $5, and you'll get 280 in free bets if your team wins. It's promo code DMVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, let's dig into Rod Chance. I think we can get through Rod pretty quickly. Um, one one important note here. All the competitions are open. Not that that's any surprise. Like That's kind of how it works usually. And then you factor in that you don't have Christian Gonzalez and Makai Blackman at the top of that cornerback depth chart. And it's like, yeah. I, I bet all the competitions are open. Um, but but here's uh let's start with this. Here's here's kind of his driving philosophy as a coach. Uh, I think I'm a relationship coach first and foremost because uh, I believe that you know kids don't care how much you, you know until they know how much you care. So for me, uh, my first and foremost thing, I want to be a great relationship. You know, I can't be their father, uh, but some of those kids may need a father figure, maybe a big brother figure, maybe an uncle. Because I believe that if you got a great relationship with kids, you can coach them just about as hard as you want to because they know it comes from a sincere place. Um, but from that, man, I want to make sure that I am their harshest critic in the meeting room, but on game day, you know, I'm their biggest fan. So I think that's kind of encompasses who I am a little bit, you know, in terms of who I am, what I bring to the table and my approach to the players. 
Again, you like that, and it, it, it's not all that different than than what you typically hear. Uh, but again, he's a smart guy, and, and the way he frames it, I really like. You know, they don't care how much you know until you, they know how much you care. Like it's good stuff, and and so you say like, yeah, of course, every coach wants to to build relationships, all that sort of thing. But he gives the why. It's like it's not just so that you can have friends. It lets you coach them harder when when they know that you're doing what's best for them, that you really care about the results that they have. It lets them let you push them even harder than they normally would. It's like, yeah, it makes sense, but it is nice to know that there's a reason behind what he's doing. And and I think that that's true for Rod Chance, and I think that that's true for a lot of really smart people as they can back up what they're doing with the why. Um, in terms of this this offseason, again, it was kind of a weird one. He's He's been at Oregon for a couple of years, had some good results there, but he winds up, or Mario Cristobal, the head coach, winds up taking a job with his alma mater down at Hawaii, opens up that job there, and Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator from Georgia, takes that job. Dan Lanning goes out and hires Demetrius Martin to coach his cornerbacks, who had been at Colorado for a couple of seasons. And he'd, he'd actually turned down a two-year extension before this season. So he, he decided, like, ah, let's... Or not a two-year extension. It would have been a two-year deal before the season. Winds up signing a one-year deal instead. You know, kind of... I think there there might have been some people inside the athletics department like yeah this this sort of deal might be on the way um, but but he goes to Oregon and then Rod Chance is out of a job and again Colorado jumps in and hires him so it's kind of a weird process here's his take on all that you know the way I was brought up in this profession I live my life on the one year contract because you know at some point you know you're going to move on to another opportunity or they're going to tell you they don't want you there anymore you know in the same sense so. I think for me, I just like to be where my feet are, you know what I mean, and take care of the opportunity. Um, the best thing about getting the next job is taking care of the job that you have. You do a great job at that. You know, opportunities to kind of flow from there. So, you know, things are, are kind of crazy, kind of hectic from the outside world. But, uh, you know, we chose to coach football, and, and that kind of comes along with it. There's a lot of sacrifices that come with it in terms of our families. And uh, I always say this is a special place in heaven for, for football wives. So, you know, for me, I don't think of it as any other thing in the normal year. This is what happens, you know, uh, much like myself, other coaches. You know, our phones are going to ring every year. You know, it doesn't matter where you're going to stay, where you're at, or whether you believe it's a better opportunity for you moving forward. Now, I mean, obviously, like, what you want to hear is, yeah, I'm going to be at Colorado for the for the foreseeable future. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a CU guy now. Uh, I'm going to be here for, for years. You know, you should, uh, if, if you got some kids, like, I'm, I'm, I want to be watching the junior high circuit. Maybe they can come play for me because I'm going to be here for a decade. Like, wouldn't that be nice? And that's actually something Carl talked about um, after the season. Is like, I'm looking for assistant coaches who want to be here and, and not necessarily just want to leave after a year. And he talked about his time at UCLA and the great season they had going to the Rose Bowl where he had six of his nine assistants back before you could have ten assistants. Um, six of his nine leave for the NFL. And it's like, well, I got screwed over by that. And there you go. At the same time, it's the nature of the business is everybody's trying to move up. You know, there aren't a lot of people whose dream job is to be the cornerbacks coach at Colorado. You know, if, if you're somebody who could be on the trajectory to take a job like that, you probably want to be a defensive coordinator. You, you probably want to be a head coach, you know, and that's just that's just the nature of how this business works. Uh, at the same time, you know, it is kind of interesting hearing 
um, some of these approaches. Again, smart, bright guy, of course. Like that's that's Carl's kind of bread and butter. That's what he's looking for. But the blend of personalities here, um, I do think that there's a lot of guys who are pretty intense. You know, Rod Chance comes off as pretty intense. Phil McGagan comes off as pretty intense. We haven't we haven't gotten to Vic Soto, but I think that he comes off as pretty intense too. You know, there were also like Kyle Devan was joking around a little bit. Uh, Mike Sanford was jumping joking around a little bit, and, and that blend is important. You know, that blend is a, a big piece of that culture. Uh, but you know, I do think that after last season and how all that went, Carl was kind of going after a, a couple of hard nosed guys. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see. Um, you know, Phil McGagan was was very clear about it. If you guys haven't listened to that from yesterday, your yesterday, my five hours ago, but he he said like we're gonna coach these guys hard. They've got to be here to work. We're not joking around. And to be totally honest, I think that that's a bit of a departure from what had been happening with the receivers before. So I don't know. I, I do think that it shows a shift. I think that you know there's there's an intensity there which you need in football but when you're asking these kids to to kind of dedicate their life to this coaching staff are those you know what is that blend and we'll see how that blend works out um one more let's do one more from rod chance here uh here he is talking about nico reed and he actually brings up kalen a little bit um but you know nico reed right now how does this cornerback group shake out? I'm not sure. Nigel Bethel is going to be involved. I think Jalen Stryker is probably going to be involved. Who knows? He might be a safety. But Nico Reed is going to factor in here somewhere. And uh, here's here's what Rod had to say about Nico. Definitely electric athlete. You know, that has a lot of room to grow his game that we're excited about. I'm excited to get an opportunity to just see him move around, see him compete. You know, both he and Kalen have some experience, you know, on the football field. So that's always good because the only way you get good at football is actually playing football. So, you know, I think what, what sometimes gets overlooked and may not know, but from the outside is that they're both very bright individuals, you know, very, very good in the classroom. So I believe that a smarter football player is a better football player. So I'm excited once we get football school going, you know, really dig into the details of the of the position. <clears throat> Excuse me. And really get to know the personality a little bit more, you know, because you really learn the personality, you know, once there comes a little bit of adversity, you know, a little bit of resistance. So, you know, we haven't gotten to that point yet, but those young men are exceptional people that I'm excited to work with. Maybe maybe a little insight there. Um, he was also asked about Tyron Taylor and, and where he fits in. He basically said, like, yeah, he can play corner, he can play safety. We don't really know until, like, or I don't know until he gets out on the field because obviously that's not just his decision. Because he might say, yeah, I want him as a cornerback. And Brett Maxey says, yeah, I, I want him as a safety. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, wait, where do we go from there? So Brett has a good idea of, of what Tyron Taylor is. Rod didn't have much to say just because he was like, well, we got to go work with him. But again, it's going to be an open competition. He uh, he does have his work cut out for him. There's There's so much talent in that cornerback's room, but developing it is obviously priority number one also though just figuring out who your best corners are it's going to be a struggle especially because you expect them to get better and potentially at different rates too you know your your best guys during spring practice might not be your your best players once the season comes around your best guys in fall camp you know in those three weeks that might be shaken up too by the time the season comes around and then also you know, your, your best players might be different from the start of the season to the middle or the middle of the end. 
when you have so many young guys who you expect to be taking strides throughout the course of the next year or so, evaluating and reevaluating consistently as you go through this process is not something that's going to be easy to do. Um, so that is a challenge on top of the obvious, which is just you need to teach these young guys how to play football. And again, I, I think that this is one of the harder jobs that, that the buffs have right now for an assistant coach. You know, I think offensive line is probably the hardest, but trying to figure out which, which three guys you want on the field in any given week when you have, you know, those Nico Reed, you have Kalen Moore, these, these two freshmen who looked pretty good last year, Tyron Taylor, another freshman who looked pretty good, who could also be at corner instead of safety where he finished the season. Um, you know, it's how do those guys stack up against Nigel Bethel? who was the number three to start the season and part of the best trio of cornerbacks in the Pac-12. But then he gets hurt, and then other guys deal with injuries. And and so where where is he in terms of just his football ability? Has he been surpassed? Like, is he still working his way back from a season-ending injury? Is he not going to be himself until camp? You throw in Jalen Stryker, we haven't seen a lot of. And then you've got all these freshmen as well. So whew, we'll see. We'll see, but there's a lot of talent. There's also a lot going on there. Uh, let's let's wrap things up here with Vic Soto, the new defensive line coach. All these guys very young. Um, Vic comes over from USC uh, when when he was at USC. Uh, so so what happened was he was an up and comer. He'd had multiple Division One defensive line jobs before that. He'd, he'd been the defensive line coach at Virginia. He's going to talk about that in a second. Um, winds up going to USC, and then obviously a lot of drama there too. And similar to Rod Chance, was just kind of lost in the shuffle. Uh, winds up, uh, or, or so obviously Lincoln Riley takes over. Lincoln Riley brings in his defensive line coach from Oklahoma, and that leaves Vic Soto without a job. Um, here's here's Vic basically on that situation. I mean, my my process was was you know, kind of hectic. There's their schools calling. And, um, I think what stood out to me about Colorado was first Chris Wilson, being able to work with him and, um, his reputation and, and not only his reputation, but the type of defense that we run here. So as a defensive line coach or in my career, I've had to play between three and four down fronts, right. And, um, for a defensive lineman, that makes it, you know, pretty difficult to, even plan practice of what are we planning on? Are we doing more three down or four down? Um, but being able to be in this system where it's primarily four down, where we're getting vertical and getting after the quarterback and getting in the backfield is something that really excited me. Um, and then secondly, uh, the people in my room, right? I, we have some really good players here that I think uh, can achieve whatever they want to achieve in this league. And what I've seen these past two years in this league is that if you you know, control the front. If you control the offensive line and defensive line, I think you have a great shot of winning. So, uh, first and foremost, you know, that's what stood out to me with Colorado. And, and then Coach Durrell actually recruited me out of high school. Um, he chose two other guys. I, I kind of poked him, you know, a little bit. He chose two other guys, but it's come full circle. And now, you know, I get to learn from a guy that I've known, well, knew a long time ago. So, really excited. There you go. Um, not surprised to hear that he had other options. Uh, definitely good to hear anyway, though, right? Um, 
from there, I mean, what else? The four-man front stuff, that's really interesting. Because, again, this is something we talked about a lot last year when Chris Wilson took over. Because, I mean, there's different ways to say it, but, but going from the three-man front to the four-man front, it's the same as going from, like, the two-gap to the one-gap. Basically, what it means is no longer are your defensive linemen just there to, to fill up space and try to push back and, and and command double teams so that the linebackers can make plays. All your defensive linemen, basically on every snap, they're trying to get in the backfield, and they have one responsibility, and, and it's like the, the gap to your left, the gap to your right, whatever. You just go hit that gap hard and make sure that the running back doesn't get through there, and ideally if they're passing, you're getting to the quarterback first. And in the NFL, you know, like like the Patriots, they'll run that multiple front stuff. They're switching back and forth. They're doing a bunch of different things. They're game plan. They're doing all sorts of different stuff better than anybody else. At the college level, obviously, it's typically best if you can just teach your guys how to be really good at one of those things instead of saying, well, let's let's be pretty good at both, but also be unpredictable. And if you're a defensive line coach, it's like, well, what is easiest? What's easiest, what's going to make you look best is if you just have to teach one of those things. You know, if, if, you, if you're not put in that position where you've got to do a whole lot. Um, again, you, you just listened to the same thing, but he did bring up just in the week-to-week type of deal. Or he said practice-to-practice, but, you know, any given week you might be playing more three-man front, more four-man front. And the Buffs haven't done this stuff recently, but USC does, and there's some others, or did, who knows now. Um, but... It is uh, it is good to have the identity, and I think it's also worth noting, you know these these other guys they're they're getting into what is this year two? I can't. I almost think that that Chris Wilson made that change. I think yeah, that's right. Chris Wilson made that change, even though Tyson Summers was coordinating the defense. So they're actually going into year three again, though that should be should be beneficial for sure. Um, we can move along. Here's a little bit more on his relationship with Chris Wilson. I think we met a while ago when I was at Virginia, you know, and, and he was uh, with the Eagles. And then beyond that, just, you know, a reputation. A lot of coaches have reputations. When you're a defensive line coach, especially a young one, you want to study different coordinators, different, you know, from the NFL down to college, down to high school. Even there's some really good high school coaches out there. But uh, my experience in, in – um, with him in this process was I knew who he was and then we knew similar people. Uh, and then we were talking, you know, from that point on. Right. And then as far as uh, defensive line uh, with coach Wilson, I had something similar last year with um, CJ Ayu, who's now the defensive line coach at Nevada, where we could bounce ideas off of each other. And I thought it was like, you know, the best ever now to come here with someone with even more experience and is actually calling the plays, I think is, you know, invaluable. It's, it's something that, um, you know, I really look forward to, to exploring how we can make this place you know, the best we can be. Again, it's it just those little things that kind of stand out. You know, he, he likes that Chris Wilson calls the plays. You know, he, he likes seeing how a defensive line coach calls a defense. Because if you're Vic Soloto, you're thinking, I want to do that someday. And so being able to work closely with him and also spend the time, you know, you're, you're talking about defensive line stuff, but also saying like, oh, yeah, what's this about? What's that about? And it just makes a lot of sense. And it can't hurt that he's he's working with the defensive line 
and you've got somebody who's really, really good at that who's right next door. So that's like, yeah, what what are the odds I fail here? They're a little bit slimmer knowing that I have Chris Wilson to, to help me do this job. Uh, and on top of that, he's calling the plays from a defensive line coach's perspective, which means he's probably putting that defensive line in pretty good positions more often than not. Um, if he's making mistakes, I mean, you would guess. If, if you were just to put him in a box, you'd be like, yeah, the mistakes are probably going to be on the back end in terms of what he's calling because he's not all that likely to screw up what's going on on, on the front. Um, so again, just hearing, hearing what he has to say about that stuff. Interesting. That whole past interesting. And it really does reinforce what, uh, Chris said, which is that they were excited to see that, that he was out there and that they'd have a chance to land him. Oh, sorry. Uh, watching the Canadian versus American women's hockey game and American. Sorry. Okay. I'm going to focus on the podcast. Um, also, uh, he, he was asked kind of about his path to this point, what he's learned in the NFL. I like this one. I like this answer a lot. It's kind of reinforced uh, my just core philosophy of being violent. Like you need a defensive line that's violent and physical. And if you have a physical, violent defensive line, then, you know, everything else can kind of take care of itself. Like Coach Chance, I was just up here, could just go hang out, you know, and, and uh, you know, catch punt balls you know, from the quarterback, but, uh, you know, being on the East, East Coast with Virginia and, and being in the ACC and winning the Coastal and, you know, going and playing in the AC Championship, it's it's pretty simple. You know, and you look at the NFL right now, the guys uh, that are playing in the, in the Super Bowl, you know, if you look at their fronts and, and what their fronts can do, uh, you know, it's pretty simple that they're going to have success. So uh, my experience... One, playing in the NFL um, as an outside linebacker for six different teams, then being in, you know, the ACC and on the Pac-12 uh, with two different teams in the Pac-12, it's it's the same thing, right? Uh, we're going to be built on a violent physical nature. We're going to establish the violent physical nature of football, and um, we're going to have a violent mindset. And um, from there, you know, it gets really simple when you start knocking the guy back that's in front of you. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Beat him up. Like that's, that's how football works. And as the line coach, like you're not going to find many defensive line coaches who are like, ah, oh, you know, it's, it's really about the hand placement. You know, we, or we need quick feet. What we need is quick feet. Out there. No, you, you got to beat guys up. And, uh, big Soto, not shy about saying that, um, two more, two more clips and we're going to get out of here. Uh, next one asked about recruiting and specifically, you know, coming from USC, Pretty easy place to recruit to. Now Colorado, not not necessarily seen on the same level nationally. I think it's the same. You know, I think uh, uh, recruiting at SC and recruiting here, it's going to come down to relationships. I think it's really, you know, these high school kids nowadays uh, with the name, image, and likeness and everything. Um, you know, at the end of the day are they going to play and are they going to produce? So you look at opportunities, right? Versus NIL deals. And, um, I think that's what we're seeing with the transfer portal. Or there's kids that have gone into college as the number one guy and didn't play. And now they're in the portal cause they want to play. So for me, recruiting is always going to be the same regardless of where I'm at. It's building great relationships and letting them know that they have a real opportunity. 
You know, I don't care if there's a walk-on that comes in and, and is better than the guys in the room that we have. They're going to play. And that's my promise and, and uh, my gift to them is a real opportunity to come in here and play at the University of Colorado. There you go. Um, personally, I, I think it might be a little bit tougher recruiting to Colorado just given the circumstances. I mean, at the same time, though, I mean, USC, they're – they're also coming off a four-win season, but whatever. Um, one more. One more, and uh, I, I this is another one. I think, you know, Vic Soto, obviously, like, pretty laid back. You know, talks kind of slowly. Uh, but but a lot of answers that get me fired up, I guess. Um, this, is, this is the last one, like I said. And this is him being asked about recruiting Polynesians to Colorado. And... And he, he brings this up, but but there is a, a strong history of Polynesian football players at CU, and that's something that he knows about. One thing that's really cool about this place is, you know, the Polynesian heritage that is here. With Sal Anasid, you got, uh, you know, Oakland Sun that's here now, uh, Salavea, and uh, guys that I knew because of who they were and where I grew up. So I grew up in Oceanside. Born and raised, and, and I knew those names, and I knew Colorado because of those names. And so, as we talk about recruiting and and recruiting the Polynesian, you know, people, it's it's more about uh, fit, uh, obviously fit, and making sure they're they're good enough players to be a Colorado Buffalo. But then, um, showing them that there have been players that have come before them that have kind of you know blazed the trail for them to be successful here. And it's something that I'm passionate about. Um, but again, when it comes to recruiting, it's who's the best. I, 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 you know, it could be, you know, someone down in Alabama, someone in New York, or, you know, someone in Samoa. It's, it's going to come down to fit and, and, you know, who can come in here and make an impact. That's going to do it for today. Uh, that's obviously stuff that I really like. Um, Curious what you guys have to say about always, or as always, not about always. It's late. I've talked a lot today. I've listened a lot today. And uh, if you guys have anything you want to say, throw that in the comment section. Members can do that. Make sure you're signed up for membership with DMVR. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear if anything stands out to you that's different from what what I heard in all this. Um, that's, like I said, going to do it for today, and we will talk soon.